Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. Let's join Pastor Greg Scalzo as he continues the Heavenly Authority series. We begin this morning in the Heavenly Authority series in 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. And we're speaking about the early days of Solomon's reign. If you remember, at this point in Israel's history, it is both a theocracy, a nation under Yahweh, a nation under God, and it's a kingdom with a king. So Solomon has both what we consider secular responsibilities as a governmental leader, as a king, and religious responsibilities because he is the head of a state that recognizes itself as being under Yahweh, under God Almighty. And we'll read just the one scripture in 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Solomon made a treaty, an alliance, with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. So he makes a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he marries Pharaoh's daughter, and he brings her, Pharaoh's daughter, to the city of David. Egypt had been a powerful nation in the region for more than a thousand years. At this point in history, although Egypt is weaker than it was in the past, Egypt would still remain a world power for many, many years. Israel is just starting to come up, is rising as a nation. They started the kingship under Saul, then David, now young Solomon. So they are rising as a kingdom, as a nation, and a treaty and an alliance between the two seems logical. It makes sense that new Israel would make this treaty with the older power, Egypt. And it was very common in that time that when a treaty was made between nations as an evidence of the promised friendship between the two countries, between the two states, that there would be a marriage between the two royal families as a seal, a connection of that relationship that would exist by treaty. And this was not just, just done back then. We see it throughout all history, throughout European history, even coming into modern times when royal families or prestigious families from different nations will marry in order to make some type of alliance between those nations. And so in this type of situation, marriage then becomes a tool. It becomes an instrument of convenience and advantage and gain. It's a cold accord for national security. And that's what Solomon is entering into. A very practical, logical convenience for the nation's security. And you see from this one scripture the dangers of politics. You see the danger of doing what seems pragmatic 
what seems expedient, what makes human strategic sense, but has no moral, no godly, no biblical foundation. And that's what happens many times in politics. For strategic, logical, pragmatic purposes, decisions are made, things are done, but it doesn't mean it's moral, and it doesn't mean it's right. If you remember in Isaiah chapter 55, when we were going through the short study on the Bible and why we should read the Bible, we read the scripture in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's way is so much greater than man's way. God's way of looking at things is so different from man's way of looking at things. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, continuing this idea, we read how Solomon will teach. He says in chapter 3 verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on the way you think about things. Why? Because our thoughts are as far below the Lord's thoughts as the heavens are above the earth. And we know that they look out, they look out, and they just see the heavens, the universe. It's so large, it's so immense. That's how much greater the thoughts of God are than our thoughts. And so we should trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding, our way of thinking. So if something seems logical, seems pragmatic, in the worldly sense, strategically correct, but is not God's way, it's, it has no moral value, has no godly value, has no biblical foundation, we should still reject it. But Solomon doesn't, does he? He makes the treaty with Egypt. He marries Pharaoh's daughter. And you see a principle here that just because the Lord opens a person's eyes, Solomon knew the truth, lean not on your own understanding, trust in the Lord. Even though Solomon has seen God's truth and God gives him revelation, that does not mean that Solomon always does, is always obedient to God's word. Sometimes the Lord will anoint a servant, will give them authority, will show his way, and then the person he gives his way to may be the first one to break it. That does not nullify the word of God. God is right. That person is declared a sinner. Solomon is a human being, and Solomon falls. But the words that God gave to Solomon that we have in the book of Proverbs are true and are the very words that condemn Solomon himself as a sinner. Because in this case of marrying Pharaoh's daughter, he's not trusting in the Lord. He's leaning on his own understanding, maybe the understanding of his counselors. And we think back to 
The last study we did, the Song of Solomon, in the last section where we spoke about Solomon at the time of David's death and the um, contest between him and Adonijah and the focus on the Shulamite Abishag. And we read about the love that Solomon has towards Abishag and, and the love she has for him in the Song of Solomon, that pure one man to one woman love, the two being one in heart and body and in their dedication to the Lord, united by God. A relationship that Solomon writes about in the Song of Solomon, reminiscent of Eden, the way it was in the beginning when God created them male and female. And he said, it's not good that the man, that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And he didn't make Adam ten women. He made him one wife, Eve. And the two were as one. The Song of Solomon, that initial relationship you read about Solomon and Abishag, the Shulamite, is reminiscent of Eden. But now instead we have this other marriage, we have this politically driven union for the purpose of making a treaty with Egypt. And it all starts with this low opinion of marriage that marriage can be used for a cold purpose, for convenience, to accomplish something other than what God created it for. And will this be the last one? No. If you go ahead to 1 Kings chapter 11, and you read in verse 1, But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it was so, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to Yahweh the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. It becomes an obsession. What starts as a political necessity to make a treaty with Egypt becomes an obsession. He needs a lot of women, and look at all these countries he can make treaties with. And just think of how many women he can get, and he gets taken with them. He loves them so much, but not in the original love. Not the way it was in the garden, one man to one woman. Not the type of love he has with the Shulamite. This is a love where a man becomes obsessed with relationships. He's obsessed with these women, and so he becomes obsessed with their gods. What starts out a political, strategic convenience leads Solomon into a situation that he almost becomes demonically possessed, that he has to have all these wives, all these concubines, because you cannot start with a low opinion of marriage. 
the sacredness and the holiness of marriage. Marriage was never meant to make alliances. Marriage was never meant as just some type of life convenience. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper. Jesus said, this is the way it was in the beginning. What God has joined together, let not man separate. And here's Solomon with all this wisdom. And in the word of God, his wisdom tells us of the unity between the one man and the one wife. Knowing you should not trust in yourself, but trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Solomon leans on his own understanding. He does what's practical in that time period. And it leads really to him going away from the Lord as an older person and bringing untold sorrow upon, upon his nation. Marriage should never be a calculated instrument to obtain some type of goal. Not only that, but God's plan for Israel was that she would be separate. She would be a unique and different kind of people. She was to be distinct from the pagan nations. She was to depend on the Lord, not on human power. You can join Pastor Greg on the web at www.shiarjeshub.org. The Shear Jeshub website has information about our church and services, including the history of our church and articles of faith. There is also an extensive library of our radio programs and commentaries by Pastor Greg on important topics. The address again is s-h-e-a-r hyphen j-a-s-h-u-b dot o-r-g. May the Lord Jesus bless you as you serve him.